was two screams and one yelp. Scream two. <laughs> I didn't get the memo. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Halloweeners. Welcome. A horror movie podcast. I'm Kira. I'm Cody. I'm Zach. Yes. That's an intruder uh, in our house. <laughs> Your house. This isn't my home. Longtime listeners will you know home. that uh, when we did Scream last year, we had uh, our certain theme music composer slash um, my boyfriend uh, record with us wow. uh, because he's a fan of these movies. Yes. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening. And that's been our episode. Thank you. Have a great night. So Scream 2. Oh my goodness. Came out just a year after the first one. That's so fast. It yeah. Famously though, horror movies can do that. I don't really know why. I mean the budgets are always pretty low usually. But this was a not just a, you know, found footage thrown together little mm. thing. They had to actually have a script. Like sets. Actual and actors, and contract negotiations scripts. and stuff. There are a lot of sets in this movie. Oh honey, it is fantastic. It is heavily directed. Like there's a lot of really I would say mostly strange like camera work going on in this. There's a lot of cranes. Yeah, there's some moments where I was like, where I thought, you know, oh, there was some thought put into yeah. that. That's Choices. a creative move. Choices. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so basically, Scream comes out. It's a humongous <laughs> hit. Changes uh-huh. the game basically. Right. Fun time. Less than six months later, they start filming this one. Oh Scream wow. Two. Okay. And then it comes out another six months after that. And six months plus six months. Equals one year. Oh, that's, so, that is really fast. That's insane. It's you, really crazy because I didn't see them when they were out. Like, I saw mm-hmm. them relatively recently. Mm-hmm. To think that in the movie world, it's three years after the, the first one. But regardless, but it's, it's, more than, it's more than six still, months. It's yeah. fast, honey. That's true. They grow up so fast. <gasps> that's true. Yeah. That time, especially, you know, pre... We get new episodes of things like the next day or whatever. Or the same, same day. Yeah, that or must have been a very Marvel quick turnaround. Year. Yeah. <gasps> Yeah. She's tired. Uh, but, like, I mean, Saw did that for a long time. For, like, eight mm. years, it was every single Halloween. Every wow. Saw movie. Well, you know, what is it? It's a puppet, and they're filming in a basement, so it's easy. Some I've never like seen the movies. scenes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Same with Paranormal Activity. For, I think, four years, it was every Halloween there was a Paranormal Activity. Jesus. That is even, even more understandable, that. though, in terms of how quickly you can do a turnaround. Sure, then they have a new one. Budget. This, I'm like, oh. Damn. Good I really like this movie. See, I don't. Uh-oh. I yeah. Uh-oh. Hot take. I actually don't really like this movie that have much. We ever disagreed. Uh, I don't anything? know if we have. <laughs> I used to, upon first glance, the first time I saw the first scream, I was very much like, "The fuck is this?" But then I realized, oh, that's part of the gaze. It's part of the POV. Is it's supposed to be kind of self-aware and like that's part of the creative process, mm-hmm. and that's just part of how they're telling the story. So I, I do appreciate the first Scream, and I think I even, I, I have fun when I watch it. However, Scream 2, I just feel like it's not as fun, and that's not because it's, like, more violent. The ride isn't as exciting to me, because it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, there's so many, uh, everyone's fucking up. I will say, every time I watch Scream 2, I think they like it more than I am. And I do like oh, this movie. okay, uh-huh. As Correct. opposed to Scream, which I like better every time I watch it. And perhaps that's the case, because this was... I've only seen Scream 2 once before, and then I revisited it, obviously, for this. So maybe if I just watch it every day for like a year, I'll like it. But, uh, yeah. You don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> Weirdly, I think this is the Scream movie I've seen the most, because it was... I always talk about like AMC's Halloween marathons they would do. Oh, tell me more. In like middle school, when I was forming my... Oh, I like horror movies part of my personality. Nice. I'm not just scared of everything. They would, like I said in our Halloween episode, they would play like Halloween 4 and 5 over and over again, but not the first one. It was the same with this. They'd play Scream 2 and sometimes oh, 3. funny. But never the first one. Okay. I guess it was probably more expensive to get the rights to it or something. I don't know. But I saw this one a lot one. before I even saw the first one. Oh, interesting. Okay, that's funny. I saw it mostly on TV. So watching it on the Blu-ray now, which is obviously uncensored, they really lean into that R rating. It's definitely more violent. Mm. In certain parts, and yeah. there's a lot more cursing, <laughs> which oh I don't really notice. But for yeah, some reason, it, it felt gratuitous in this one. Yeah, like I just like it, it did feel like it's uh like when you're out of the house for the first time and you just feel like you can curse a lot. Yes, there's yep. a lot of like fucker and Middle I don't school, fucking yeah. You're like, oh, my parents aren't here and nobody's gonna yell at me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fuck that. I got that vibe. Yeah, 
And they talk about that in the movie, about how the sequels have to be bloodier and more intense and... Right, yeah. More, they have to, again, lean into the R rating, so mm -hmm. it might be, like, kind of a little bit of self-awareness, but also it feels like a lot of the cursing is just, like, can you believe these TV stars get to say fuck now? Because they're not on TV anymore. And it's like, we were selling to do that in the first oh, one. Oh, that's true. So... I get that every time Courtney Cox swears. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like you can see her, the glint yeah. in her eyes where she's oh. like... Ha <laughs> ha! I know. Um, she's like, she was, I can she was on an episode of Shameless like last season too, and you're like, Ooh. oh, you're just having fun. Like, she's out of Cougar Town. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's one moment early on when she's talking to Lori Metcalf, I think, and she says "fuck," and she like says it in a uh, in a way towards a person. It's like a fuck off or something, and it feels like a moment. Like it's weirdly like with the yeah, music yeah. or with her performance or something. Oh, it feels uh -huh. like it's like she finally gets to say "fuck," but like she said that in the first movie like oh yeah and i guess you're you right saw that a year ago and because in like this day and age we have netflix like we are in, uh, imprisoned by like what's on tv and what the ratings can show us so like we hear fuck all the time so I, even, I guess i didn't really even that. some like non-hbo channels like fx love saying fuck yeah or like yeah i think i heard pussy on tv recently and i was like all right i guess we're there i remember um feud betty and joan <laughs> Oh, <laughs> there was um, like a bit there was an article I read where because like Stanley Tucci's character got to say cunt so fun uh, and but the it's article good. framed it they, the phrasing was Stanley Tucci gets to say that rare cunt word <laughs> which is like how a five year old would write it rare cunt like, in nobody, the wild has nobody heard of what are your thoughts Zach um, I don't have as much of a like history with this movie as I do with the first one because the first one was kind of I think I mentioned this in the episode it was like built up as like a monument of horror when I was too afraid to watch anything and right. like I heard the twist before I saw the movie and like mm -hmm. had seen the twist kind of parodied in Scary Movie before mm. I saw mm -hmm. Scream itself and so when I finally watched that I was like oh my god not only is it iconic in the movie but it, the movie itself holds up and this one, I think it sticks with the meta commentary that the first one has, but instead it's more like concerned about being a sequel mm -hmm. and like what that means. And I think on that regard, it does succeed. Mostly I look at this movie for like the development of Sydney's character. Um, mm -hmm. The rest of it kind of fades away for me. And for that reason, I think I like it just a little bit less than the first one. Um, but I still love it in in what it does for her character because i we can get into this later but i think she's one of the best horror movie protagonists of all time i think in terms of yeah. uh longevity the legacy of this movie is not necessarily it's self-awareness and like very generation x um mm -hmm. knowingness it is sydney's character because like the way she grows from the first one where she's traumatized but also like scared mm -hmm. to in this one, she is, you know, the first scene is her getting a call, it seems like, from the killer again, but she's, like, checks the caller ID, gotcha. and she's, like, listing off, like, by the way, it's a felony, blah, 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 blah. So and then when it starts to happen again, she becomes way more, like, fight back. Yeah, she's like, show, then show your fucking face. Mm -hmm. She says fuck. Yeah. Yeah. She says fuck. And, as, and then as we know now, in the third one, she becomes... I don't know. She lives by herself on like a ranch. Girl! With like Ugh. protection. Leave like, the country. It's very, like, very highly secure. She got a dog. <gasps> and she works for a right. trauma victim's hotline. Which yeah. is, I remember we talked about that on the Halloween 2018 episode because we were like, this is a much more realistic idea of mm -hmm. what a victim would do rather than what Jamie Lee Curtis does, which has been 40 years buying guns. I do feel like this movie, along with being a transition for the character of Sydney, it's like kind of stuck in a transition of time between like hard 90s and like hard aughts. It does feel kind of trapped in between where like the fashion isn't quite mm. into the 2000s yet. <laughs> the, the makeup choices right. aren't really like solidified yet. The, the eyebrow shapes. The eyebrow shapes are questionable. Uh, <laughs> and all over the place. There is yeah. a diversity of eyebrows. Uh, <laughs> Big well, and not in a great way. <laughs> At this point in the 90s, it's like the things that were very 90s, it's late in the decade, have like trickled down Ugh. to being kind of distilled by the general populace, I want to say. Like it does with ever, anything in fashion or like style or whatever. So everybody's like, oh, thin eyebrows and no lip liner. Got it, got it, got it. Ugh. Cool. Um, I'm going to uh, curl my hair and straighten it at the same time somehow. Got it. On it. Yeah. And even like, I just feel like maybe also the late 90s with the internet, we were becoming so more self-aware of how we were dressing because we were presenting ourselves to a larger audience, like the World Wide Web. So I think 
maybe that was the first time we, people were like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. I don't know how to dress now. And I have all this denim on. I'm imagining the Britney Spears dress. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, what's her face is fucking streaks. Well, I guess they weren't that bad. I kind of liked the, her streaks. They're pretty bright. Her right, hair, they were bright. it's a harsh contrast. Her hair throughout the I whole like series, they could through. have blended it. Wait, what is that fucking, not me, it was like she had a tweet. Yeah, it like, was somebody tweeted a picture of her in the third movie, Courtney Cox, bangs. Courtney Cox Arquette, where she has like, it looks like a um, little hungry. She has baby bangs. It looks like a little hungry doggy like chewed on her bangs because it's very uneven and just like sitting on her forehead. And somebody tweeted like, I need to know what the fuck was happening with her bangs. She was like, fuck you. Or something. Wow, what the fuck? What happened is they go, they say, anytime I feel like I have a bad haircut, yes, I yes. just look at Courtney Cox Arquette and Scream 3 and she just responded with what the fuck <laughs> I love that I wish she's cool oh my god yeah I mean I'd be cool too if I had that much money just kidding I don't know I'm sure she's a fun time though I I'd be cool too. just want to say and I want to put this out there and I'm sure y'all yes. agree I do not feel compassion for Dewey I obviously don't want him to die but it's like I think we as an audience were supposed to be like oh my god I'm so happy he's alive and like I really didn't care well, like I was like no offense to David Arquette I'm sure he's a lovely man but I am not a fan of his uh, acting styles and uh, it just makes me there's a lot of fuck boy tomfoolery in this film as well he's also making a lot of choices that I don't all think are good. I actually quite yes. I like his performance because it is a lot of strong choices. Like okay. when when uh, Jamie Kennedy is talking about Candyman's Jesus. daughter, oh. who so sweet she'll rot your teeth. He licks his teeth like Here he's we. like, right. are my teeth rotting right now? You can tell he's like processing every word as it's being said, and I kind of like that. Um, I agree with you though. I once it looked like he was dead. I was like, oh, he's dead. Like I processed like, it, oh, and then God. he was still alive, and I was like. <laughs> Wait, how? Yeah. So I think it's kind of supposed to be like, wait, are we supposed to? Oh, I guess we're supposed to care. Uh, I guess about we're him. supposed to care. What happens to him in the third movie? Spoiler: I don't do remember. remember. Ooh. I don't know the third one that well off the top of my head. Okay. Um, real, real facts, or real, real fast. Two fun facts about Courtney Cox. Oh my gosh! First of all, her middle name is Bass. Like B-A-S-S. Yeah, like or is it Bass Cox? I'm gonna say it's Bass. That'd be terrible. It's Bass. Big mouth, Courtney Bass. <laughs> and what are the what's Take the, me to the, the machine? <laughs> Don't worry me. <laughs> but it's Being her head. Corny. Oh, it's scary. It's her head. <laughs> uh, With the baby bang. <laughs> <laughs> second fun fact: uh, she was. It says part like okay. So Wikipedia you know, has sections. Oh, honey, it's like does spouses she? and then partners. Oh, uh-huh. She was partners with Michael Keaton for six years in 1989 to 1995. What? And she married David Arquette in 1999, which is obviously after this movie, but I imagine they were dating either before oh, yeah. before or during this movie. So I'm guessing part of the reason they had him in the movie and why they're so like sparring the whole right. movie is because they were real life couples. So it was probably an idea of like, Oh, how fun to watch. Well, and I think also, they got together on the first one, and yeah. his dad is in this movie. Wait. Yes. Oh, he plays the sheriff, right? Yes. Okay, I meant to ask about that. Okay, great. That makes sense. And I think also, again, maybe again, it's late 90s, and maybe they were like, well, you know, all those magazines selling shit. Exactly. Courtney, you know, they're they're dating. Let's amp this shit up. People want to see them get back together, which I guess is part of the I guess they do. Thing. I mean, the first one was a smash hit. And I remember even not not, like having seen it and having no interest in horror movies and not really being as much of like somebody who follows film or celebrities or anything, mm-hmm. knowing that they were a couple and that they were filming the sequel together. Something I want to bring up, which yeah. you had mentioned this lately before. So they mentioned like with Hallie's character, Sydney's roommate, like mm-hmm. Jamie Kennedy refers to her as Candyman's daughter because they they say, well, most serial killers are white males. Yeah. And then earlier in a scene when we first meet... Was that specifically about her? I thought it was yes. just a general... Oh, I did not Well, I mean, that. maybe... Well, he was I mean, saying she's a, a suspect. Sure, yeah. Sure, 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 so, sure. I mean, it could be... He, I think they're just trying to use, like, horror terminology, but I was like, ooh, that made me cringe a little bit. And then earlier there's a scene where we meet Portia de Rossi's character. <laughs> Talk about eyebrows. <laughs> and, Talk um, about eyebrows. <laughs> but, like, I, li- I like the... Uh, the brazenness of it um but there's that scene so it's these sorority girls and literally the shot is set up so it's like white girl white girl white girl white girl white girl white girl and there is one non-white girl in this group that came up to talk to them and she's literally hidden by another behind another girl like that was directed and that was shot that way so i'm just curious if that's like oh we're intentionally making this whitewashed because as uh 
uh, as Earl said earlier in the movie by Jada Pinkett Smith, mm-hmm. it's a very, you know, horror movies are all white girls screaming this and that. Or is it also just late 90s lack of awareness? It might very well be a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> I think okay. it's a little bit of both because I think that the use of race in this is really intentional in some ways and then like you said in like crowd scenes and stuff it's really not because there's also gotcha. a cameraman yeah. Courtney Cox's new cameraman who's oh, like right not stupid line who is aware of like you know black people don't have a great history of surviving horror movies mm-hmm. right but he survives he makes out alive that's so that's true. a little subversion but also I don't know. Yeah, okay. I mean, I guess, yeah. It, so, it's interesting watching it under today's lens, but... It, it definitely does feel like a response to the first one in, right. a, in a very which real way, one. which is uh, okay. uh, because it is every main character, pretty much every character. Yeah, yeah is there even is a white. person of color in the first movie? Like, I generally don't remember. I don't there's the main so. six, which is like Matthew Lillard, um, Skeet? Skeet. Uh, <laughs> what's her face? Uh, Rose. <laughs> Skate we rose. got you. <laughs> yeah, we got you. And then the three who are still in this movie. Four, um, whatever. They're yeah. white. And of course, speaking of white, Jamie fucking Kennedy's character. I'm sorry. I'm fine with him being he, dead in this one. He, uh, He's better early, in this one than the first one, He I is think. better in this True. one. True. And honestly, even though it's douchey, goatee, it weirdly looks good on his face. Like, it, it does work time and place. It gives him a chin. It gives him a motherfucking chin. Give me a chin. Give me a chin! (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Jamie Kennedy's character, though, there's a scene early in the movie where he's just talking in a cockney accent for no reason. Girl, you know I took a note on that and how much I hated it. And I was like, why would you do that? But then I was like, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The amount of time we're doing stupid voices on, not just this podcast, but just in real life. Right, but they're talking about a murder having just occurred. Unlikely. And he's like, well, he's again playing that like big nose comedic dude who just wants the girl but can't get the girl. And it's like Friday Thirteenth stereotype. Yeah, it's just shoved down your throat. And so like yeah, and then when he's like doing the impersonations in the film class, and it's like. I would have just hate, told him to shut the fuck in up. In general, when people do Marlon Brando Godfather impressions, because oh, like nobody should be doing that but him, because it just sounds horrible. <laughs> right, and it's always like, wow, great, oh, good cool. for you, you saw a movie. Jeff. I do think you would do a Cockney accent if somebody died, though. Oh, I would. Yeah, that's yeah. how yeah. I would hey, not have processed it. Oh, well, I'm just gonna go cry now. Like that'd be the only <laughs> way I could process it. I'm gonna go cry now. Oh, okay. there, imagine there's subtitles. I heard subtitles. Lacroix. Got it. I'm going Lacroix. I'm going the cry. Um. So speaking of like college dynamics. Yes. If okay, if Jerry O'Connell showed up to a college party, how loud would you scream and try to make out with him? Um. Imagine college self, though. He looks very mannequin-y. He's a very mannequin-looking boy. Well, he's you know too mean? pretty. But I'm just, I just feel like if I were like at a party and I were ten years younger and so much, with so much less self-esteem, I would have so tried to he at looks least talk to him. Significantly older than everybody else in the cast, but he's Agreed. not. He's not. No. He just has an old, old face. He's, he's younger than soul. Jimmy Kennedy. Apparently. He had the. Well, Neville... Jimmy Kennedy also looks kind of old. Oh. In this movie, he does. He's, yeah. He's, like, has an older face. He's, like, lost the baby fat. And, like, mm-hmm. I will say they all look like more... Um, Nev Campbell apparently is older than uh, Jerry O'Connell. She so. was 45. Nothing. She was 67. <laughs> Amazing skin. She has a serum. So, uh, it's, they do look more like college kids, though, than high school kids in the first one. So true. I'll take it. It's a little I, more believable. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Well, okay. Well, regardless if you find him attractive or not, that scene where he sings I Think I Love You and that whole gaslighting situation, even knowing that, spoiler, he's not the killer, like, and just finding and watching the movie knowing that, oh, he's just kind of a dumb, sweet idiot. It's like, I, again, why are the fuck are people applauding him and, like, clapping? They're like, yeah! And then, oh my god, kiss her! Like, I hated it. I would have... I'm just imagining if I were there and it was college, I would have, like... I would have walked away. Yeah, I would have left and, like, just vomited. It was... It's like when you're with... I mean, we both were theater kids in college and they would, like, do... You know, like, they would, like, do a monologue or something, like, in public. And it was like, just stop. Please. Stop it. Turn this off. It's embarrassing when we're in the classroom. Ah! Yeah. No, it is you're bad. True. Like, <gasps> just somebody in But that scene is crazy because they shoot it like it's really important. They, there's a humongous crane <laughs> shot. But this is a the big camera, turning right, point in the right. plot. Or it's like a, wow, look at this. Oh, look what we did here. The camera flies up on a crane to survey the entire cafeteria, but all mm-hmm. they're doing is 
clapping off Ooh, beat and out of careful. sync, <laughs> blowing out the microphones. That's true. They didn't need that many extras. They didn't need to shoot it in a full fucking. Yeah, no, we. But it's a sequel thing. Time. There's a musical true. number. <gasps> and that's true. It's a bigger scale. This mm. movie, I think, I haven't thought about it enough to go in depth and write like a dissertation on it. But <laughs> I think you this movie is mostly concerned with gender dynamics. I mean, it opens with Jada Pinkett and uh, who's it? Omar, Omar X, Epps. Mm-hmm. Um, who are basically like having a battle of the sexes type conversation the mm. entire time they're in the movie theater. True. And then right, like, why does she have to take a shower? Why is she doing this? Blah, exactly. Blah. Yeah. And like, he's got the the male gaze, and like, all he mm. cares about is what he wants to see, and she, all she wants to do is go watch a Sandra Bullock. Sandra movie. Bullock, as yes! I keep saying, <laughs> I am a Sandra. You know, it continues throughout the rest of the movie. You have Timothy Oliphant basically saying, like, that movies and video games are responsible for violent nature of people. Meanwhile, he's the killer mm-hmm. for no reason. Like, he has no motive. <laughs> yeah, Spoiler alert. Ah! Um, and he's gaslighting Sarah Michelle Geller into mm. thinking that she's wrong when she says that they're not responsible. And oh, the yeah, whole man, movie man. is about, like, the women saying one thing and being right and mm-hmm. men, like, gaslighting them or saying that they're wrong because of X, Y, and Z. Right. And Ooh. the one woman killer, woman killer, that the series has, <laughs> Lori Metcalf, right. I think she's the only one, is yes. has <laughs> the best motive, which is just, you killed Kill my, my son. son baby. That's all. <laughs> Even Timothy Oliphant's character le- mentions it's it's the 90s, it's no time to be a hero, which I guess kind of also lends to that dynamic. So, okay, so knowing that it's it's Mickey, we know it's Laurie Metcalf's yeah. character, Debbie Salt, which like Debbie Salt clearly is made up. really actually misses uh, Loomis. So, I we, do love when she walks in and Oh, Sydney so goes, good. Mrs. Loomis? And ah, you're like, oh, like, she never, oh, she God, never saw right. her the whole movie. You're right, yeah. And she was only interacting with uh, Courtney Cox. Girl! Yeah, ooh. It's very successful. So right. Like, wait yeah. a minute, I have to go back and like check. And, but yeah, no. That is one thing I do love about this movie besides the, the gender politics of it. Mm-hmm. I love how subtly entwined the A and B plots are. Because mm-hmm. the A plot, you, you talk about Sydney and like her dealing with like this seemingly copycat killer like following her around and being threatened and then you have Courtney Cox's character dealing with the like investigative reportive side of it and they're Mm -hmm. both thoroughly entwined in a way that is really really elegant I think more than the other movies in the series they come together in such like a nice way by the end that it's so seamless and you realize oh it's been the same plot the whole time yeah I think just like my what I'm curious about is when you really look back at it the movie now and you think just how they did this physically it's obviously insane it doesn't make sense I guess saying I had problems with the logic of it is silly to say but there were just so many components of it that were wild to me and like uh like she went through all this effort just to kill sydney like she had to kill all these people like she had to buy a pantsuit make a fake id badge pretend and to be a reporter pretend to be a reporter <laughs> learn reporter it jargon seemingly she seems said. like she has been a reporter that's kind of like what I that's thought. true oh, i think okay. that she has like because it's been years <laughs> i think she like has, yeah i thought me i was like she went to a fucking conference where gail yeah. spoke like i was like she's committed to this Okay, so I guess that makes sense. But I just, I guess, shit. I think my, what my question is, how, because initially with the murders, they say, oh, it's a copycat murder because the names are somewhat similar. And so I guess as the movie goes on, we learn that may not be the case. But why were those specific people killed? Like, why was Jada killed? Why was, uh, what's his, his name? Well, they say that they're, um, trying to recreate Woodsboro because all the people killed have names that are similar or the same to the... People who Original. died in the first movie. Right, but it's then it's just those three people. So why would they then, like, not... Like, it just seems weird that it's like, we're going to do these three things, we're going to stick to this code, and then we're just going to kill random uh, people after that. Uh, I think it was, like, an obsession with the first murder and, like, a need to, like, enact revenge. And then once they got those out of the way, it was people who were close to Sydney. Because either they oh, were true. in the way yeah. or they wanted to terrorize her. Like, just the scene where Timothy Oliphant is trying to make it seem like Jerry O'Connell is the other mm. killer, which is... I actually really like that, the yeah. way that scene's written because... You expect from the first movie that they're going to do two killers again because like, it right. won't be surprising this time. So what is surprising is and also who the physically is. it doesn't make sense for it to be just one. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's they a two-man operation. set you up almost too obviously for you to think it's Jerry O'Connell. So yeah. Yeah. when Timmy Dolphin's like, it's cool, dude. You can give up the uh, roof, oh, sort of. He's good in that. Scene. Yeah, he it's is. Good. He's very yeah. good in that scene. He's definitely channeling some very skeet energy of like. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I think at that point it was just whoever was close to Sydney. Now, I might have missed this in the movie. Okay, yeah, I'm, check- I'm reading it now. So Mrs. Loomis didn't actually do any of the killing except for Randy. Yes, because he was talking shit. Everybody else... Didn't think that I would hear it. Ooh. It was Mickey. Everybody else it was Mickey. So I'm guessing most of the time, while he, he was doing the killing, Mrs. Loomis would be on, on the, the phone. phone. Because yeah. there's one scene where uh, somebody's talking on the phone, you see the killer go behind them. While the killer's oh, on the phone, right, right, right. the killer that you see is not on the phone. True. So it's like, make, right from the beginning, you're like, okay, it's two killers, obviously. Oh, yeah. And even the, when it's uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character, Cece, uh, is in the house alone, she exactly. picks up the phone and then someone emerges from the closet behind her. But then that, what's interesting about that is because we learned, yes, it was um, Debbie Salt. So she must have borrowed, like, Mickey's boots and pants because when um, she steps out of the truck and we show that there's blood dripping out of the truck, we also yes. see shoes and it's like black boots, which also is meant to have us believe it could be cotton. Because yes, because he's wearing the boots. He's wearing the boots when he's being yeah. very, again, invasive gender politics. Yeah. That is a very, I mean, that scene is still rough to watch. And even yeah. when you're like, oh, he actually still is a good guy, like in terms of, you know, murdering her mother, it's still, that's in a very intense scene. Like, yeah. that is very. Like, but it's well done, is what I'm saying. It's also crazy it's for them to be like, yeah, the guy who was acu- was exonerated in the first one, mm-hmm. maybe he's the killer. <laughs> fun. I mean, like, fun dynamic. I do also like the scene where Mickey, played by Timothy Oliphant, and Randy, played by Jimmy Kennedy, are having that conversation. And it's definitely, it's obviously meant to evoke the first one when Jamie Kennedy is laying out the rules of horror movies, which is one of the more famous parts of the movie. And in this one, they're talking about sequels and who's likely to be the killer. And they're like, mm-hmm. what if it's, um, oh, sorry, no, it's not Timothy Oliphant talking to him. It's uh, David Arquette. David Arquette. Yeah. Because they say maybe it's um, Mickey, you know, Tarantino, crazy-esque film mm-hmm. student. And then Randy brushes, away, brushes it away with, well, if he's a suspect, so am I. So it can't be him. Right. And mm-hmm. then, therefore, because Dewey's the same profile as Randy and has the same history, it would be also put him in contention if he was a suspect. Gotcha. And so they immediately rule out Timothy Oliphant. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, maybe it's a subversion, maybe it's a girl, maybe it's a right. not just a white person, <laughs> which ends up being correct because it's Laurie Metcalf. So surprise, bitch. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's Laurie Metcalf, famously not white. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> I sorry. I wanted to bring up and. By proxy, Zach, you'll also appreciate uh, the first scene, which takes pl- takes place in a movie theater. Yes. How grateful are you that we don't have to wear button-up shirts with vests? Oh, the uniforms. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and and handing out the fucking souvenirs. And I've had shit. Like that, though. I that's what I mean. Like yeah. that shit. I mean, that was just very. I thought that was fun too, and I will appreciate that. Is how it was like. See the sensationalism of all this. Yes, like, yes, there's yes, props. Yes, yes, there's yes. people pretending to stab each other. Completely there's the removing stab the vision. actual tragedy and people who literally died. Yeah. In ways that are mirrored in the movie within the movie, because mm-hmm. it the way that Heather Graham's character is killed is almost identical, like stabbing wise, to how we actually see. You're very more killed in the first one, so it's like they clearly looked at the police files and went, "Okay, let's make a movie out of this," which is like, Ugh. oh boy, yeah. It's I like what makes me comfortable about like that Ted Bundy movie. Like I haven't seen it, but I've just heard like questionable yeah. things about it. So yeah. it's taken approximately 15 minutes for me to backtrack on something I've already said in this <laughs> episode. Ah, but that's okay. talking through it now, I'm like, actually, I do think it improves on almost everything from the first one. Tell it. Um, sucking all the atmosphere out of the original's opening, which I went on about at length in the first episode so uh if you want to go back and listen to that please do i think i analyzed it beat by beat yeah it's like subtly changed but it really is it is all the atmosphere sucked out of it but then contrasting it with the scene with jada pinkett and omar epps which is so grounded she's so good she's so good she's so good in that scene and then like the movie is simultaneously doubling down on the sensationalism and the meta commentary mm-hmm. while also making every de- death more tragic than the ones in the first movie. Like, her dying is really traumatic. Yeah. That is one of my the scariest deaths, I think, because that is literally horrifying. And she dies thinking her boyfriend killed her. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that till the second time I watched oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because she just thinks it's him, and then, like... It's his up. She doesn't take off his mask or anything. Yeah, nope. which makes sense because she kind of looks at him like, what the fuck? And at first I thought it was just because she was like, oh, I've been stabbed, but it's not. Nah, she thinks it's her boyfriend who just stabbed her. I mean, fuck. and that all of that stuff is baked into the movie because Sid even can't really fully get close to Jerry O'Connell's character <laughs> because 
of what happened to her in the first one. Like, yeah. she's had this traumatic experience where, you know, she thought she was in love with Billy. They have sex. Mm-hmm. She finds out he is the murderer and is trying to kill her. Right. For right. revenge for something that her mother did. It's like this inherited sin, but also, like, PTSD and sexual manipulation and, like, all these things all kind of baked into the fabric of the series. Shit. The opening scene, much like in the first one, of this one is the scariest part of the movie, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Her death, like you said, she's so grounded and locked into the movie and she plays it so realistically and something about dying in a... Room full of people who are freaking out and not seeing the actual scary bad thing happening is really scary to me. Oh, it's yeah, very absolutely. it's very much like uh, that you know famous um, murder in Brooklyn, I think, in the like forties or fifties, where mm-hmm. seventy people, I think it's like a big number, heard her this woman being killed, and everybody just assumed that somebody else would call the police, and yeah. nobody helped her. Yeah, it reminds me of that, which is like so scary to me. <laughs> Worst nightmare. Yeah. yeah. You know, why people have to be told, like, no, be a neighborhood watchdog. Like, you know, yeah, do that kind of stuff. Oh, the movie within a movie starts with Red Right Hand. Did you notice that? Yes, of course, the second they walked in. And then it kicks up again when Sarah Michelle Gellar's character has just died. And again, the sensationalism. They're like, oh my god, something's happening at the Alpha house. And like, everyone's running over, wishing they had drinks with them to watch. And Red Right Hand kicks in as Sydney watches and starts to freak out. I also love the flying ghosts in the theater of Very House on Home. Yes, yes. Oh, we did not talk about the the over-eager employee. Yes. <laughs> yeah, when it says Turning like, on the Stablovision. Stablovision, and you see one movie theater employee like <laughs> opening like Cheesing. the cover to a black light, and uh-huh. he's so excited to be in a movie. He's smiling. Tag yourself. Which one are you? <laughs> There's a lot of people excited to be in movies in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> so the 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 first scene with Sydney, she wakes up. She sees the thing on the news about the deaths of the movie theater. Oh, no, no, she doesn't. Sorry, she, she wakes up. Sees, she's talking to her roommate. Right, Cotton's on TV, I think. And then they go in the hallway and they're just talking and this girl runs up. <laughs> I think I brought that before because she's so good. <laughs> she runs up. You see her from so far away. She like caught the news. Yeah, she goes, she runs up and she goes, places a hand on her bosom and goes, yeah. yeah. I, she, she goes, I filmed it. Check out the news. <laughs> I took a video of her because it was inspiring. It was the 47 take. <laughs> no, yeah, she was very happy to be there. Yeah, love that. Yeah, the movie theater employees are all too eager <laughs> to be there. Will- uh, somebody's worked bo- bullshit sold out shows <laughs> like that. Like, you are smiling, maybe, but you're not thrilled to be doing it. Exactly, the woman yeah. handing out the props is, like, reacting to their conversation. The studio said it to us. <laughs> and, and she's, like, talking about, look, it's white. And she's like... <laughs> yeah, she sure she doesn't give a shit about her fucking privilege. I know. Um, I, yes. I will say though, Jada Pinkett Smith. It's a Pinkett. Pinkett. Jada Pink. Jada does. Let her be an example. When she goes to the counter, <clears throat> she says exactly yes. the size yep. of popcorn she wants Ooh, with, with butter. butter, and then she says the size of the drink and what and exactly what she I wants. I thought the same thing. I went. She, she's <sighs> a pro. She knows she, what she's doing. Please take motherfucking notes. I'll have a large bu- popcorn, buttered popcorn, and a medium Pepsi. Is what yeah. she says, I think. Gorgeous. Jada. Iconic. I can't even. Ugh. Yeah. People who walk up. Popcorn. I need a popcorn. Oh, I'm sorry, motherfucker. You need it? Did the doctor prescribe it to you? I've worked customer service for the better part of two decades. Yeah. Nothing besides, like, nothing. actual bad things. Nothing. Gets me mad more like people going, I need or give me I a. I can't. Never fucking do that. You don't do need that. shit. You if need you... water and oxygen. Oh, God. Give me a blah, blah. Especially if I go, hey, how's it going? You, just, you don't <laughs> right. even have to be like, I'm doing amazing. You just go like, hi. That's all I, you, you just have to do that. But if you go right, if I go, hey, how's it going? You can go, give me a blah, blah. I can't. Who raised you? Fuck a wolf? off. Yeah. Can I bring up a line I noticed? Yes, a, fu- a funny line, but again, maybe a, a, gender di- a gender dynamic situation. So when they go to the sorority mixer party, yes. um, we, uh, Portia de Rossi and her other Blonde person. Rebecca Gayhart. Who is she again? She's in Dead Like Me for like four episodes. She got a big face. She does have <laughs> a big round face. <laughs> and big hair. Wow. Good yeah, hair. She looks like a poodle. She's got good hair. In one scene later she in the movie. I think in the cafeteria. She has her hair <laughs> up like a poodle. It's like up, yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's cute, right? Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, they're, they're in the middle of a conversation. And so they basically are... Oh, they're talking to Hallie and Sydney about the sorority. And they're saying that they promote safe uh, safe condom sex. And they mention blowjobs. And then one of them mentions um, our, Monica, our Monica style is all right, though, right? Or something like that. Oh, and harmonica? I was like, 
no, Monica, like I thought it was Lewinsky. I, I thought I heard harmonica. I thought so too, but I'm assuming they oh. mean Monica is in Lewinsky because they were talking about uh, blowjobs. Was that a thing? I totally missed one? that. Clearly, you brought it up. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. I heard it just this time, and I was like, "Wait a second, because I thought it was something about a harmonica, and I thought, well, contextually, that doesn't make any blow, sense." Gabriel, blow. <laughs> yeah, maybe they meant like harmonica style, where you like have a handful of dicks and like you blow you into them, like. <laughs> and you like blow in the sucking air. Ah, and then they die, right? Yeah. Well, uh, I don't think it was Lewinsky because the Monica Lewinsky story didn't break till 1998. What year was this movie? 97. <gasps> It had to have been harmonica. harmonica. Ew, then what does that mean? Like, it's like this. It's sideways. Right? And you just go up and down. Like, you don't put it actually in your mouth, I'm guessing. Right? Hi, Mom. <laughs> like, that's what I'm... I've never heard of that. I'm so also, scared. Also, that scene is mixed with the dialogue so low and the music so high. It's so hard to hear. Copy, yeah. But I heard just like, blowjob, blah, 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 harmonica. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Oh, my God. <laughs> was Portia embarrassed? So she, like, was mumbling. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, never mind. I, I, I found some weird contentness in it being about Monica Lewinsky, mm. but now I'm even more freaked Very out. 90s. What do they mean? But Yeah, exactly. Oh, that would have been nice if it was, like, in solidarity. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought it was, like. Pro-sexual health. Like, right. Not shaming her. <laughs> in the speaking sorority house, they have the biggest bouquet I've ever seen in my entire life of flowers. It had to have cost a thousand dollars. Shocked me. I mean, there the was catering. Of it on the Instagram. There the, was silverware. The bouquet is the size of my entire body. <laughs> <laughs> what if it was your body? It's like carnations and like lilies. Oh. I just spat so hard. <laughs> I love it though. That's out of control. <laughs> oh, how much do you like kind of groan but like love the choice when they show like here we have uh, Tori Spelling and she's talking about her role as so and so and then it cuts to fucking Luke Wilson as Billy Lewis. Oh, it's so good. It's I loved it. so great but also smart because it reminds you the viewer that Billy has a mom who ain't dead. True. You know. It's true. True. Like if you didn't remember this is mentioned and also That is a good funny. point. It also um, is funny because that scene that was ident- identically mirrors the way the first one is directed, like, shot-wise mm-hmm. and costume-wise, but, like, funny. the acting is just not there. <laughs> so it makes it feel less grounded, like, mm-hmm. just subtly. We, like, had a moment where we were like, wait, how famous is Luke Wilson that he was, like, the choice for this? Because Bottle oh, Rocket is only, like, a year before this. Oh, and really. that's, like, his first movie. Was Owen bigger at this point? No. They oh, both broke at the same time because they were in the same movie. That's cute. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, so he was just like, he wasn't a name Because like, then I'm like, and Luke Wilson is blah, blah. Oh, you're so right. <laughs> oh, right. And I love how, I mean, I don't love, that's a strong word. But what's his name? Randy's like, well, at least you had David Sh- David Schwimmer uh, playing Dewey. Yeah. That's kind of funny. And then it's later very when they're like, oh, uh, Gail's just mad because her nude photos leave <laughs> online. And she goes, it was just my face. It was Jennifer Aniston's body. <laughs> <laughs> so, so funny. We see you, audience. I don't care. I know it's they know obvious they and easy it's fun. writing. It's yeah. fun. It also is like, again, it's self-aware. And it, I like when the line is blurred between in a, in a meta way like that, but not in like an obnoxious like Deadpool way. Like in Ocean's 12 when Julie Roberts has to play herself. I will say what does uh, uh, kind of... What annoys me most about this movie is uh, my issue is I take it too seriously in that, like, this bitch should have been in witness protection program. Like, she's yeah. went through so much trauma. No one's supporting her. Her roommate's like, oh. All this, solid, this self-induced solidarity and, like, what the fuck? She just went through so much. And even um, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character, when she's on the phone with her friend and she's saying she's being harassed on the phone and she thinks someone's in the house, her friend goes, don't panic, just call public safety. That's not what she says, but that's it's the equivalent. <laughs> campus safety. Campus, <laughs> call campus security, whatever. And it's, like, it's just those moments of, like, not... Come on, silver like, sister. Yeah. Silver oh, sister. So cute. Cooper. But, Love yeah, it. it's just, like, frustrating that, um, I guess it's just a time timing thing. Yeah, yeah I do... I'm glad the series goes away from the whole, like, say, get over it thing in the next movie, and okay. it's very, like, no, say, stay away, and just, yeah. like, go live in your ranch, because I feel like a lot of horror movies do that once the sequel happens. It's like, it's been a year, blah, blah. Yeah, like, ugh, you were almost murdered yesterday. By get over boyfriend. it. Yeah, <laughs> like, the same night you lost Who your virginity. Your yeah. Like, there's so many layers to it. Yeah, and a year after your mom was, like, raped and murdered. Yeah, I would get the Hello? fuck out of California. Girl. Yeah, I'd be like, I'm moving to Switzerland. No one talked to me ever again. I like the instant message she receives. Mm. How oh. it like the takes up the whole screen well, and it just says, "You're gonna die tonight." Like the first one, she has the part where she tries to IM nine one one. This movie I, had to have technology. the killer IMing you from the inside of the library. So again, so was oh, it could have been just Mickey on a computer, or it could have been yeah. I'm why sure don't they find Debbie him? knows how to IM because she's running this newspaper or whatever. Yeah, she made no computers. Computers? Do you think it's a, Maybe. like... So you think she was a reporter? She's always been a reporter. Um, 
oh, maybe she's always been a reporter, but... It just happened to work out for her? Or did she, like, create a fake newspaper? No, I think she's working for a real newspaper. I think that she created a fake identity and became a reporter in this smaller town. Gotta be salt. So she's salty. Ah! I mean, so she did work hard and get the job. So, I mean, that's commendable. Yeah. And, like... She's a woman entrepreneur. And, like, in a different universe, she could have used that drive to, like, just become a criminal investigator, you know? Like Sid. I, she's Fun. not investigating criminals. But she sure knows the law. Yeah. When that guy calls her at the beginning, baby, I know she's the like... She's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Star 69, that bitch. When she what? Um, when the guy calls at the beginning and she, like, says... Uh, she's like, it's his a felony. Name, and blah, she's blah. like, it's a felony, by the way, section blah, 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 blah. Schools them. And she goes, hope you like the movie. I like how where they are that, like, these, like, people trying to, like, do fake copycats are going to flare up because of the movie. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. blah, blah. I like that. It's, it's like how in the first one, it's like the anniversary of her mom's death. So yeah. she's, like, extra aware. Yeah. And this, it's like, the movie's coming out, so she's extra aware. Lord Mac happens in the movie. She, she's, and it's just good, very actually. Good. Yeah. <laughs> she's one of those actresses who is always working. Yeah. Like, she's always doing it. She just seemed pretty consistent in this, and it was just, like, I didn't have problems believing what she was telling me. She also makes good use. She has pretty big eyes, and she makes good use (laughs) of that in the final scene, because you can see, like, every inch of her pupils, like, it's all white (laughs) around. (laughs) Just like the movie, honey, all white. Oh, ah! So, she's good. Um, And even, like, the way that she dies, she's kind of laying there in a really, like, Unflattering way. I know With a hole weird. in her fucking neck. Her like eyes all across, and her like yeah. She just looks like a person who died. Who like wouldn't be like I'm just gonna lay down here. She has the range. She has the range. <laughs> um, How much did you hate the scene where she's talking with with her drama teacher? who is Bob Cratchit slash the dude from Titanic. Yep. And he's like, Same you know here. what? You should use all that trauma and you should use it in this scene where we pretend to stab you. Mm-hmm. I said it would have been a really good twist if he was the killer. <laughs> she was like, honestly, she just wasn't a good enough actress and I had to conjure something. I didn't have I a bowl to, to believe, tell her now. Yeah, I didn't believe her. Now I believe her. Um, I do I, like that, she's, that he's like at the risk of sounding like a college drama teacher. I'm so self-aware. Again, she could like have... Like this movie I'm in. Boop, boop, boop. But it's just, again, you know, she could have found, like, maybe not a sex worker, but this could have been, she could have used some, like, role-playing in a safe, consensual environment. Yes, but not in a drama club where there's people, people obviously not watching the wings or watching the back door to the theater because someone snuck on stage and tried to stab her. But, of course, I love me some, like, fake budget in a movie. Like, they have thunder things and, like, things coming down. Danny Elfman. Danny wrote the music just for that scene. No, shut up. Yeah, he did. Are you kidding me? It was gorgeous. It was I think very the rest dramatic. of the movie is like very like Pointed Twin Peaks sounding like Marco Beltrami music. The yeah, score yeah. Twin Peaks, like bass, like boom, boom. that kind of like Western mm-hmm. sort of. Yeah, you're very right. That and is then, very. But that one seems like fun. Oh, I do like the the, um, the. I mean, you know, my like gay twelve year old ass was loving this. <laughs> like, the she does look great in that outfit with the red when she yes, first lifts the veil. The veil. I was like, oh, oh actually, please. like I would have just seen. They should just show that scene. Also, though, I I googled it. Like the the words they were the words they were saying. It wasn't like it's not like a real play. They like. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I mean, the oh, story follows her, obviously, is like a famous, like, legend. Whatever. It's just like Kevin Williamson, Kevin Williamson wrote, it. wrote it. Yeah. That's cool. And it sounds oh, like nice. a weird, like, translation of a Greek play. I, it's pretty good. I was fooled. I, it was yeah. cool. I like the idea of, like, yeah, now like, she feels like it's it <laughs> like coming for her. Coming for you, yeah. bitch. She points right and at I her. Like super muscular guy. He gets a wheel down from the fly. And he's like, yeah. You know, he was like the hot guy in the department. They're like, he can't act, but God, he looks good. He's the only one who's built. Next semester, he's playing Rocky and Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yep. Yeah, I love when they pick her up and she has like a little like. Uh, it's gorgeous. Like I don't even know. Like yeah, it's like, like a kind of a fan kick, kick situation. Kick, yeah. yeah, and then it looks like it's her. I mean, it looks good. I think she's a dancer. I think Neve Campbell. She was in the great. movie called The Company a few years later that's about ballet and she's in the lead. Oh, okay. So, so she can move to an extent. It's a boring movie, but she dances in it. Yeah, no, she looks good in that. Yeah, in the drama of that. But that was cool because I think, I mean, that was definitely a real person. That wasn't like her hallucinating. I think so, yeah. Yeah, because we see like them them dip out, mm-hmm. which is funny to imagine. And so like, I assume it's Mickey well. who yeah. like yeah, that one is really well done. <laughs> but that's the one scene where Mickey did. Yeah, she's like, I'm an actress. <laughs> I can do it. I'm a reporter, but now I'm an actor. Like I just imagine being like I have this extra costume and like just kind of like trying to like mimic the choreography everyone else is doing and like failing and like trying to like I just imagine the mechanics of it and it kind of cracks me up. You know, she's like oh, oh stage left oh yeah. that's this way. <laughs> and like so holding this knife and like no one notices. 
I, I find that funny. I also like later when they end up in the on the set again at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. and Nev Campbell's like trying to out chase Sloy Metcalf, and she is like. Dropping flies and oh, making fun. like lights go, but then she also just at one point like shakes the thunder thing right. yeah. like, for the drama <laughs> to <laughs> scare her. Not um, in that regard, I do think it was not Laurie Metcalf on the stage. The no, first I don't think it definitely wasn't. Because then she wouldn't have been as scared True. of all the effects. She wouldn't have known the shit was going to fall the down. The magic either. of theater. <laughs> yeah, the illusion is broken. <laughs> that fourth wall, honey. So Shattered. sense of disbelief is gone. I love when the styrofoam bricks fall on her yeah. and it like <laughs> looks like she's dead. It's styrofoam. Do you really think we believe? <laughs> That's so funny. She's allergic to styrofoam. It's her kryptonite. <laughs> oh my god. What if she the one murder that she did, Laura Metcalf was the one in the very beginning, so she had to dress like Omar X. She's like, Do you think oh, gender play, honey. Yeah. No, wait. I think it is supposed to be because what? doesn't he hear her like whispering behind the. In the, the door, stall. In the stall. Oh. Well, it That's, doesn't. I'm not sure. What well, it exactly. could be either or. Because, okay, so again, so again, this means a woman. She's in a men's room with Mickey this whole time, waiting for this dude to come in, which is creepy as it is. They must come in, and maybe that is a good well, point. I'm she sure must. They're together. But when he walks into the bathroom, there's two people in the masks. They turn to him, and then when he gets stabbed in the ear and he dies on the floor, the person who killed him wipes the blood. And in the background, you see the other, I think, person in mask like just dip out. I thought they were just people who were there. Yeah. I didn't think oh, they were connected. I don't know. Oh, because he... I don't know. The bathroom that he knocks on... Or the stall, the stall he knocks on yeah. first is the one with the killer in it. Because so right. when he walks in the door, there's two stalls. He goes in the one on the left. You're right. No, but you're right. That makes sense. I just assumed that... There was foul play. Everybody's a suspect. Everyone. Well, who's cleaning the bathrooms? They're to blame. I guess I just like find the humor and f- try to figure out the logic of like again them scurrying around and like <laughs> when he it's sat a lot down of yeah <laughs> they, they a added lot a lot to do a planning do a lot of planning and like jada didn't realize her boyfriend had like white hands and like he, well, he's wearing gloves i noticed that this time. he was yes. oh okay because I, I thought, thought that too thing. and uh, i mean i don't know you you know what a person smells and That's feels what, yeah. like it's so do you silly think they ever showed up for the same murder both wearing the like, costume wait, oh my one of I thought I was on change. Oh my god, one of us has to change. Is that what you said? Yeah. It's like when yeah. you forget that you traded a shift and you're yeah. like, wait, we've literally done that? Yeah. <laughs> that Spider Man picture. Like, what? They're putting each other the. <laughs> I love that. Dewey uh, is a non binary ally confirmed in the scene where he's talking about the suspects. Because it's like, <laughs> he or she or they. Oh my god, he is. Fucking woke as a motherfucker. He is the queer hero this series needs. Right? The birds agree. <laughs> I hope listeners so you could hear those the loud ass birds. Not the one we deserve, but the one we need. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, this is fun. The movie within a movie was uh, those scenes were directed by Robert Rodriguez. Who's that? He directed Spy Kids. <laughs> he also directed um That's uh, I can tell. Da, da, da. <gasps> oh, he doesn't Sorry. have the range. Ah! Alita, Battle Angel? He did direct a little Battle Angel, that's true. Oh, how do you think Debbie Salt found, or Mama Loomis found Mickey? Like, and they were like, how about she this? She said on the, online. <gasps> oh. No. What? Wait. That's another thing. Like, a, like, this movie is so, like, transitional, like, early internet age, because, mm. like, cell phones don't really exist, but, like, Portable phones do, like wireless phones do. It's so possible, like yeah. CC has the phone and like is trying to leave with it, but like can't. So and then fun. like um, she says that they met on like a message board. She's like, there are dark places of the internet. The dark there, are, there are Ooh. lots of uh, serial killers out there. There's only like 97 serial killers active in New- the United States right. or whatever. And okay. she's like, and this one just happened to need money for college. <gasps> oh right, 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 right. right. She okay. was like, he was on his way. So I assume he already killed people. Oh, gotcha. Ooh, that's so creepy. Yeah, so I'm assuming he's just, like, a psychopath. Again, if she just stayed... uh, uh, She could have paid for a dude's... She could have become a criminal investigator. She could have fostered a child. Yeah, paid for his college. Playing some Memorial Garden for your son. I don't know. Yeah. Or just... I don't know. She's kind of honoring her deadbeat son's legacy, though. Right, that's true. (laughs) But uh, the whole thing about Timothy Oliphant's character being a psychopath actually tracks because early in the movie, you see he's, like, hanging out a lot around the main cast, essentially, like, the the Mm A-team. He's, like, recording a lot of it, too, and he's, like, asking a lot of questions, which is, you know, we 
know about serial killers, they like to get involved in the investigation sometimes, I mm-hmm. think. I think that's the thing. Yeah, they do. They t- like, they'll be really chumming with police yep. or, you know, just Anybody to... Can help. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not only to gain trust, but also to gain information. And also to be like, wow, I really got away with it. Oh, yeah, because like, they go home and they jerk off about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so good. I'm so smart. Yeah, and even like Timothy Oliphant, when um, at one point when there, someone, I think when Randy had just died, uh, and Sid's like, oh my God, I'm so stressed. And he's like, hey, no, we got you. We're supporting you. Yep. That's such a fucking, like, do goddamn. you? <gasps> do you Are support you? this puss? Because I feel like you're going to stab <laughs> me later. Also, that's wild that. So, <laughs> who do you think was in the car that crashed? Because my assumption was that it was Mickey's job to, like, Hijack the car, get well, them to the school. So what's I think face literally fuck every them? murder that isn't Randy is just is, him. Is Mickey. Mickey. Yeah. Oh, Mickey. That isn't so like Randy being killed because for yeah. some reason I missed it, but apparently Laurie Metcalf's character claimed responsibility for that one death. Yeah, she says like he was talking shit. Right. I um, whereas every, everything else is Timothy Oliphant. Okay, so yeah, he was probably again a lot of coordination. Do you think he was awake the whole time they were climbing over his body? That's what I mean. Is like it's so weird that like. Again, like, Sydney was right there. He could have just stabbed her. So I don't know if he... I don't think it, he was awake. Yeah, I think maybe he, like, just came to as, like, maybe it was happening, I want to assume. And he went zoop. Yeah, and he somehow was able to sneak out of the car, even though they were right there. Um, I do yeah. like that scene, though. It's that scene very is tense. great. It's spoopy. Um, the death of the officer <gasps> um, is also the most gruesome of any of the deaths. That's so wild. Pull through eye. Don't you just hate it? But helps them get out of the back of the seat. So yeah. thank you, officer. Thanks for dying. Thanks, officer. Well, also, like, not to be rude to these officers, but I feel like they weren't helpful. <laughs> the one who there, she was like, I think he's gay. Later, his last <gasps> words are, don't ask, don't tell. And I, I was like, made me so fucking mad. So 90s. And he, like, was, like, kind of smirking. Like, and it's well, like, yeah. 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 Like, no, it wasn't really a joke. <laughs> People were very mad about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> let's give the gays something, anyway. please. Uh, other than, otherwise, okay, they gave us pretty, enough. <laughs> that's true. And, uh, Lloyd Metcalf. Uh, otherwise, and it's a pretty... Courtney. And Courtney. It's a pretty decent depiction of a gay person just, like, doing the job. Not a big deal. What? Like, the cop. Like, oh. It's never like, yeah. but he's gay. Uh, they're never like, ew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. It's pretty, uh... It's just, like, here it chill. is. It's just whatever. Anyway. I, know, I just feel like they should have been prepared for such instances of someone, you know, trying to hijack the car. You yeah, they didn't seem, they seem great. Because yeah. also when, um... <laughs> Cotton Sydney gets up. the I am in the library. They're, they're like, just, just go stand over they're here. They're like, go over here. It's not like a corner. And then room. Cotton sneaks up on her. Just, she's on the edge Seriously. of the hallway. She's not like behind a bookcase or anything. Yeah. There's a lot they of... safe here in this open doorway. <laughs> Again, the gender thing, dude. Like, these men are fucking useless sometimes. Ghostface continues to be a very, like, effective, scary, but also fun to watch physical presence. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of silent film, comic energy, but also so menacing with the knife. The fact that the deaths are as gruesome as they are and as suspenseful as they are while the energy around the performance is kind of comedic is really impressive. It's like such a weird like yeah, it's a weird tone line to, line to walk, but mm. you know, yeah. all the scenes where he's like sneaking behind people are goofy on the surface, <laughs> right. but like work to make you go, oh, oh my God. Like Still menacing. Yeah, I love that. Cotton has a French tuck at one point <gasps> in the movie, so he sure gets what's coming to him in the next one. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> Oh my, he's very good too. Uh, he's Lee Schreiber in this. Yeah. He's great because yeah. again, when you realize that he actually is fine, he's just a really creepy fucking dude. It kind of like you're like, oh, okay, I see that personality type. Yep. <laughs> he's just kind of as an asshole. Um, I love the scene where we're with Sober Sister Cece, and mm-hmm. she's watching Nosferatu. Yeah, or she's like flipping through. <laughs> right, and, and she yeah. ends up on Nosferatu, and then when she's walking away from the TV at one point, you see mm-hmm. is the scene where he's the shadow going up the stairs. Yes! And then she, it. it's like foreshadowing her going up the stairs, which right. she does not long after. Jada mentions, I think, before in the movie that, again, these girls in these horror movies run, are running into the house when they should be running right, away like or something. Right, just like in the first one, and he's like, you're running upstairs when they should be going downstairs, and then she does that. Exactly. It's That's also like, she, at one point, she's like, uh, Jada's character says... To Omar Epps, not Omar Epps, but when, the, when it's the killer next to her, she goes, if that was me, I'd be out of there by now. And it's like, they're not, he's right next to you. Cece also walks by a sign on the door in the living room of the sorority house that says, no eating in the living room. And she's got a giant pizza box, so <gasps> she is an icon. Yes, she's all of us. Buffy the pizza slayer. Also, just oh. like, hot tip for everyone, whoever, if you're ever on the phone or answering the door, don't ever say there's no one home, ever. Seriously. Someone's in the shower or someone's taking a nap. Just or saying. pooping. 
or taking or a massive someone's shit. Someone's inside of me. That's <gasps> hey, listen, I can't. Hey, listen, someone's inside of me right now. Sorry, I can't. we're connected carnally right oh. now. Oh, <laughs> oh, and it was smart, not smart, but Timoth uh, Mickey's character, Mickey, <laughs> was like, oh, I'm filming. It's for a documentary, but then later, uh, when uh, Dewey. And Gail are like in that multimedia room. He's playing the footage of like all the murders. Yes, because it's love like that scene. he's carrying that shit around because again, like serial killers, he probably wants to like relive it, and that's where mm -hmm. he gets his job. And mementos. Yeah. And then yeah. it cuts to the live feed of them in the room from behind. Fun. Ooh. Ooh, and also yeah. awkward because they were just about to fuck, so like yeah. very vulnerable. Uh, when Courtney falls into the pit. <laughs> what? I fell into the pit. Yeah, the orchestra pit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then she climbs out at the end. <laughs> she made it. She made it through the pit. I love the scene in the the sound stage or whatever that is. The, yeah, like, the recording. audio recording. Yeah, that room. was wild. That was fun. So good. With the yeah. amber of glass and stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. And like the kind of having to jump and hide from the glass and like from view and then like hiding between like all the soundproof stuff. It's suspenseful. Stuff. I was a little nervous. Um, I did you notice that music cue that sounded like Bittersweet Symphony? They play it when he gives Sydney his Greek letters. Oh, it sounds like it. Okay. And Bittersweet Symphony came out that year, so like people would have known it, but it's not Ma meant to make it go. Wait, uh -huh. yeah, because we both. Went. So it's not like they went. It's not like they went. Give me something that sounds like Bittersweet Symphony because it hadn't been out yet. No, it had. It was released that year. But like when they were writing the music for the movie, they couldn't have been like, "This what? song is a hit, so make it sound like that." I mean, might have. They did the music track real late. Does the timeline work out? Yeah, the oh. song came out in like uh, uh, the spring. Oh. I need a full investigative report with Marco. <laughs> I do, I, I, not to bring it back to the Greek play, but I like that she's playing Cassandra, who is like someone who knows the truth and that there is danger out there, but mm -hmm. nobody believes her. Much like how somebody's like constantly told and gaslit, like, no, it's, you'll be fine. Like, girl, calm down. What, did you just witness a murder? Mm -hmm. Almost. Several. Scream about it. Uh, wow. Oh. Why don't you just put into your acting? Oh, and also, like, the murder taking place in a sorority house is very uh, semi Ted Bundy's vibe, because that's just very scary. Mm -hmm. Also, sorry, I thought Jada was really bad in the beginning. <gasps> yeah. I disagree. Hard disagree. I thought she was bad. Why? No, she's, she's just, good. like, uh, it just seemed kind of like, you know, she was really young, and it just seemed like really young acting to me. I like her little vocal tics and stuff. I wasn't. I felt like it was all very manipulated. I like it. Um, but her reaction There's to being no stabbed was really taste, great. Oh! <laughs> uh, no, but her, like, demise, unfortunately, she did really well. And those neck veins, honey. Those were acting. She has the, the longest long neck. neck. You said yeah. it's like a leg. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jada. Yeah. Uh, no, I love Jada. Like, I think she's a great person. But, like, I thought that scene was, like, really tacky in acting. Just hot take. Just because, I don't know, y'all said you loved it so much, and I was going to bite my mm. tongue, but just feel like throwing that to the mix. I decided not to. I decided no. to cause chaos. So yeah. I, I, I also like the scene where the killer is knocked out in the car because it really, like, humanizes him. Because, like, you would never see True. Jason or Michael down for the count for that long. Yeah. They always pop right back up. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, right. then Sydney literally has to, like, face her fear. Like, literally face. Oh, that scene is so good. Face. Yeah. And the roommate. Nev is so good yeah, in that dead. scene. And the roommate in the backseat just keeps going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> she's oh my great, God. too. She's gonna, she, she was she's, good. Yeah, she's she's cute. very good. But it's just funny that all they got was, like, Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it is actually pretty great. Um, I also love that oh, when the, when she ends up back in the theater at the end, Sydney, and there's like a spotlight on her. It's clear within the killer. Drama. The spotlight moves <laughs> and then like shrinks down a little bit when it finds Jerry O'Connell's shirt. It's like, look at this. So fun. <laughs> it's goofy. So funny. All the thought, all the effort put to just kill this one person. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's almost flattering, honestly. She should be flattered. Yeah. Uh, the line Mommy when bitch. she goes to Timothy Olyphant. Well, you're forgetting one thing about Billy Loomis. I fucking killed him. So ah! she's like going on and on about like I, his legacy. I thought she was like, I fucked him. Which is so true. <laughs> she did. I fucking fucked him. I fucking fucked and killed him. Back to Courtney going to the pit. She tumbles into the she pit. She tumbles He made his laugh very hard. Because he also oh, has no. a scene earlier where she <laughs> slides across the desk like a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you slide? <laughs> oh my God in heaven above. So, readers, decide if uh, Kira should live for her opinions on Jada. <laughs> and I'm actually going to post uh, a poll on Twitter, I'm not kidding. And oh my uh, God. we will act accordingly. You can't tell me that was, like, and the writing they gave them was so, you know that was all white men who made them say all this stuff. Oh, and yeah. like, but uh, That is my least favorite thing to watch uh, yeah. in terms of. White people writing, like, yeah. ethnic-specific dialogue. Yes, yeah, and, like, I think, I mean, that also helped, contributes to, like, that to me, I guess. 
I just always admire commitment. And I, I, sure. I mean, I don't know her personally. So. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to phrase it nicely. I just also think the way that she dies is so appropriately, as I said before, like, realistic and grounded mm-hmm. and horrifying to counteract everything happening, not only on the screen, and but also around her. Mm-hmm. And just, like, general horror movie deaths in real life that I have to give her some credit for that. Yeah, well, I'll give her credit. So that was Scream 2! You better scream twice, honey. Thank you for joining us on our annual... Oh my god, thanks, Zach! Scream. Thank you. you get to guess on it. it thanks for pleasure. screaming with us. Thanks for screaming so this has been Halloweeners, a horror movie podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Halloweeners Pod. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at Hey Kira Hey. You can follow me on Instagram, Letterboxd, Twitter, everything at Cody Monster ninety one. You can follow me uh, at oh. Apre Pompeii, A P R E S P O M P E I I. Uh, I've got cool stuff coming up in June. Yes. Uh, Pride show. It's like a showcase with other LGBTQIA plus performers, songwriters. Uh, it's going to be June 21st. Um, if you're in Chicago. Fun, yeah, and yeah. if you're in Chicago. Go see Booksmart. I, I heard good things about it recently. Sure. We didn't see it yet, but uh, oh. it's making no money. So You don't go see Aladdin. Yeah, please. go see Booksmart. We or other small movies. Please. It ends with an orgy, right? I wish. Uh, yeah, no, you also have some cool t-shirts, too. I do have t-shirts now. Oh, I got yeah, They're very, one. very, very comfy. I'm not kidding. <laughs> mm. They fit really well. So follow also uh, Leah Patterson. She does our artwork. You can follow her at Tender Witch. And uh, get into the Witness Protection Program. Oh, we ended the last episode with a Drew Barrymore impression. Can you do another one? <gasps> oh, yeah. Wait, what should I say? Tell you the, do the news line that the extra says. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Yeah, please give me. I have the video. The line. Wait, I have the video. Oh, you have the line written down. Okay, it's um, check out the news. So this is um, Mystery Barrymore as the extra, the featured extra who gets to warn Sydney about um, the oncoming storm. Someone's granddaughter, apparently. Check out the news. <gasps> wow. Thanks, Drew. It's like she's here with us. Bye. I'm scared. <laughs> Scream! And that was kicking your ass. <laughs> He's big and he plays football. Ha, ha, ha.